0: The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Each business is unique and operated individually of others in the same industry. What they have in common is the potential path to success. Welcome to The Second Stage with your hosts, Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. In today's program, we'll address the obstacles that many businesses find on that path to success and discuss what entrepreneurs and their businesses are doing to stay ahead of the curve. Now, here's Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey
2: Cadlick. Hello, everybody. It's Brendan Anderson, host of The Second Stage, and my tag team partner, uh, Jeff Catholic is off in the field uh, doing uh, doing what Jeff does best, which we're still trying to figure that out. Um, it, no, honestly, it's uh, it's good to uh, it's good to get him out of the office uh, periodically, and um, it's, it'll be fun to kind of uh, talk about some about uh, some entrepreneurial subjects today. Um, as a recap from last week, uh, we we discussed some common financial statements errors in small businesses with our uh, guest Roger Pro of uh, McLadry. During the discussion with Roger, some of the more common errors included uh, improper cutoff of revenue, lack of se- segregation of duties, and uh, cash versus accrual accounting, and. It's amazing, as we look at small businesses and talk with entrepreneurs, how uh, you know these accounting issues and, and lack of understanding the accounting issues really is a is a gating issue in kind of communicating the operations of the business and I encourage everybody to go back and and uh, listen to that uh Roger and the Mcladeder team are real pros. Uh, one of the things I think Jeff introduced last week was um, a segment we 're calling the uh, small business community roundup and it's uh, in our first section, I wanted to talk about a few things that I'm hearing in the field. And uh, as, as many of you know, I really like to talk about some of the entrepreneurs and so forth that we meet and some of the common mistakes that that they make or, or don't make. And um, I had the opportunity to visit two this week, which is uh, one of my goals to get out and visit entrepreneurs. One was in Texas and the other one was in New Jersey. And it's really my favorite part of the job. Um, Unbelievably, these are, it's, it's what these entrepreneurs are able to create through pure determination with limited resources. I mean literally both of these companies that I visited, uh, they started off on a shoestring budgets, And um, I can't tell you their names because we signed uh, non-disclosure agreements, uh, but they're both just wonderful, wonderful stories. The um, the first company was started in the early '80s and it's grown to over 15 million with about 33 uh, percent of free cash flow margins. And the other company was started about 12 years ago and has really grown, uh, especially recently, with over uh, 8 million in, in, rev- in revenue with about uh, 2 million of free cash flow or EBITDA, as many uh, many of the financial people say. And you know, very very successful by almost anyone's standards. And I think the key here is that these people literally started it. Uh, you know, one one guy started selling the product. Uh, you know. Kind Almost door to door, and the other people uh, lived pretty frugally while they while they kind of created the company, and it, it was a software company, and they literally did it all themselves. So it's it's just fun to meet these people. Um, what continues to amaze me, not to abuse that word, is, is how often these companies are being run exactly the same way the founders did 30, 30 plus or ten plus years ago, still making all the the same decisions. You know, the, you know, handling the main customer contacts and really continue to be the the face of the business the larger than life personality that's out there and uh, because of this uh, the way these companies are being run the value of these businesses is far less that than, than it could have been and often and often you know, dramatically less and uh, you know and we kind of keep pounding that story home here uh, on the second stage and an evolution that uh, you could make a wonderful, wonderful living uh running businesses you know being the main personality, but it really is about uh about building the infrastructure to, to create something that 's bigger than than yourself so um What could these people have done differently? And we often talk about an operating processor system, and I suspect you're tired of hearing me talk about that uh, because many entrepreneurs view it as overwhelming. Uh, So I figured I'd try to describe this process using more of a real-life example. Uh, Let's use Evolution Capital since we're uh, close to it. Uh, The Evolution Capital team this week spent two full days from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. going over our accountability chart. Now, what the heck's accountability chart? Well, that's uh, what most people would call it an organizational chart. But um, you know, we, we use the term accountability because it, 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 it's more of what functions need to be done. And then you obviously assign a person to it. So we, that was the first thing we tackled. Uh, we also tackled items like our core values, our purpose, our one-year plan, three-year plan, 10-year plan, and, and tried to get every uh, issue that could stop us from reta- uh, obtaining these goals on the table. And I can tell you that these sessions never cease to amaze me. We have obviously have a very small group here at Evolution, and I always feel like I've fully explained our thoughts and, and visions, and everyone has an understanding of what we're supposed to be doing every day. Well these sens- sessions make you realize how much work still remains and how often you have to repeat yourself and you know you know over and over and over again, and quite frankly get the feedback because sometimes uh, as my team frequently points out, Jeff and i are, uh, are are not saying things in the same manner, and so getting on the same language is also very important um, as I listen to our team debate you know who's responsible for some activities you know it, it kind of makes you mad and then you start thinking to yourself um, you know, that, you know, God, how in the world can people, you know, these people, not be perfectly aligned? Uh, but, re, but again, remembering that this information literally needs to be reviewed at least quarterly and then practiced every week. And I promise you, if you do, you know, some of these basic things, it will save time. It, it will, you will, you will come away saying to yourself, "I know that that things are being taken care of. I know I don't need to focus on some of this stuff." And so, basically. Um, you know at the end of the two days uh you know you, you know we, we, we kind of emerge very tired and focused, but uh, uh, you know refreshed that the uh, the company will obtain the goals and each know what person knows what they have to do. So uh, I'm going to try to break this down as quickly as I possible as possible, and thank God Jeff's not here so that uh, he can't. He, you know he doesn't have to speed me along. But um, you know, we've studied uh, business for over the last 20 years on these issues of strategic planning, and uh, you know, we've kind of struggled with what comes first—the chicken and the egg of of strategic planning. You know, is it do you have the vision and then you explain it to the team, or do you have the team and then kind of kind of come up with the vision? Um, well. Uh, here's, you know, I think the reality is, small businesses you already have a team, so it might not be perfect, but it's your team. Uh, you know, you need to make sure everyone knows what they're doing and what's important. So the first step really goes back to that accountability chart. You know, you need to decide literally what functions are important to the company. Um, you know, com- functions like sales, operations, and finance. So you write down what's what's what the specific tasks for each one of those functions. So so in finance, you would write down accounts receivable accounts payable preparing financial statements or whatever um once you decide which tasks need uh need to happen um you need to assign a single person to that so i guess the important distinction here is that you need to decide what's the function and then who's the best person for that function and it's it's it, it it literally helps free people up to think about this stuff as you say you know what 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 uh you know, since it's not mine or it's not yours what needs to happen um, and it's it, it's a it's a very important distinction that I, uh, I could probably spend the next 15 20 minutes on but as you uh, but I won't because I'm already getting my little notice um, and that evolution, that func- the function that I am responsible for is finding new new partner companies, so new uh, opportunities to invest in, and people that want to share our our, uh, our core values and in in uh, purpose and and, uh, and want to follow the evolutionary process. Not that I don't get any help from my team, but this is my responsibility, something that I have to drive, and and that's the first step. Um, it's a uh, it's a wonderful debate to look at this accountability chart and know what you've got to get done and who's responsible to do each one. Um, once you have that accountability chart, it's all about deciding what's the most important things to accomplish in the next three in the next uh, 90 days. So you put all the things on the board, all the ideas, and ultimately you reduce it down to the most important three to seven things or, or rocks that are the most important things to achieve. And so at evolution, this might be you know, to invest in two new partner companies or meet with 10 new potential investors that share our core values, which are actually things that we've actually come up with. Uh, once every person is in agreement with a company rocks, each person then needs to decide what are the three most the three to seven most important things that are for them so um, you know think about it you, you've now you 've got an accountability chart knowing what everybody 's supposed to be doing the functions that are supposed to be accomplished the most important things for the next thirty days uh sorry thirty and ninety days um, and then and then and then it really is about um, uh, creating a meeting structure. Um, that, uh, you know, we at the, EO, in the EOS system call level 10 meeting, which basically focuses on, you know, the issues that are stopping people from getting those 90 day goals down, uh, completed. So um, if you're meeting weekly, uh, you need to start tracking. So now you've got the accountability chart. you know what you're supposed to be doing and you're meeting weekly to kind of facilitate that. Um, and, and so what you need to start thinking about are the the numbers or the metrics that basically can communicate to everybody in your organization whether you're on track to get to get your goals. And so, in Evolution's case, um, you know, I mentioned that I need to meet at least uh, three entrepreneurs a week, which may come from a pool of about eight to ten. And we know, or we strongly believe, that if we can can keep those consistent numbers up, that we'll they'll be in a spot to invest in a new portfolio partner or a new partner company every thirty, every sixty to ninety days and that 's how you get started, and if you do this, believe it or not for 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 the for a month or two you 'll be ready to take the next step, which is to plan for the next three to ten years and It really is about start and, and the reason that those four steps are important to start with is it it lets you start thinking about and understanding the metrics of the business so that when you start planning everybody 's on the same page so um the uh, uh and, and, and actually I can talk about that next step um we call it the vision building uh steps uh, 1 and 2 in, in EOS but uh you know all I can tell you is we'll talk about it later but embrace it it works so um uh, the um as you know from you know the ep- the previous episodes we use EOS we we um we Believe in our core that other systems work. It just so happens we think EOS is a little simpler than the other ones. But but if you're using one of the other ones, you know, um, whether it's Rockefeller Habits or Great Game, or you know, they work. So so uh, so we're not saying to stop using that one. Um, if you want to learn more about the uh, EOS, go to www.eosworldwide.com. Dot com or buy the book Traction by Geno Wickman or Get a Grip by Geno Wickman and Mike Payton. After, the, after you read the book, if you still have an interest, please consider hiring a professional implementer. It will positively change your company's outlook. Or give me a call. As you now know, I will need to find two new partner companies in the next 90 days. Um, and, hey, I, I just – I drove back from Philly yesterday, so um, I actually finished off Get a Grip. It is a great book, and it provides kind of a real kind of live uh, view of implementing this EOS system. So enough of my uh, ramblings. Um, today our guest, uh, we had, had had him before and just a wonderful resource, Mark Mark Fiala, who is the President of Organizational Architecture. Mark uh, brings over 15 years of strategic human resources leadership to provide you with solutions to your business needs and talent management. As a member of a senior management himself, Mark has led human resources functions in both privately held and public companies with revenues exceeding $500 million. Mark understands your needs and can provide your solutions to help you achieve your organizational goals. Uh, prior to organizational architecture, Mark held senior human resources positions in retail, specialty chemical, and the mortgage industries. Additionally, his experience in the insurance and healthcare industries. Before his career in, pri- in, the, in the private sector, Mark served in the uh, u.s uh, navy as an intelligence officer he holds distinctions of certified employee benefit specialist and senior pro- professional in human resources uh so we as always we look forward to learning um uh, about him basically the the topic today is onboarding best practices we have a um uh, it's a great show and um um, as a reminder, um, this is usually what Jeff does, but I'll I'm gonna this is so I'll, uh, I'm gonna read it. As you know, um, our goal each week is to provide specific, accountable advice. As always, it's important to get started so you can keep moving forward towards your goals. And after each show, we you can continue the dialogue through comments and questions on our blog at, at evolutioncp or email us at the, the second stage at evolutioncp.com. We want to hear from you, and that's and that's what. And that's what works uh, we want to create a community uh, of entrepreneurs and helping the helping other entrepreneurs oy, oy, oy. so anyways um, we uh, are are uh, oh actually i've got one more housekeeping item which is uh, uh we want to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Um, McLadry LLP, the leading provider of assurance, tax, and consulting services focused on small and mid-sized businesses nationwide with more than 6,700 people in 75 U.S. cities. So we're going to take a brief break and after that we will have uh, Mark Fiala on the second stage. When it comes to
1: business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
3: Assurance, tax, consulting.
1: The way we do banking today continues to evolve. No longer is it just brick and mortar locations or traditional bankers' hours. Today, banking is 24 7. It's in the home. It's on the go. It's digital. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how traditional banking as we know it has changed due to a loss of trust, changing economic conditions and consumer behavior, government involvement, and of course, technology. What does it all mean? Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go, on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
1: You are tuned in to The Second Stage, to reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to stage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson.
2: Welcome back to the show, The Second Stage. Like any forum, this show will be more effective and powerful if, if folks contribute their experiences and ideas. We invite you to, con- to continue to discuss from each week's show on our blog, which can be found at evolutioncp.com, or you can email us at the second stage at evolutioncp.com. We want to hear from you because it's an effective small business owner, is a continual path, uh, and as your host, we have lots of experience, but not all of the answers. So with that, uh, we'd like to introduce Mark Fiala. Mark, thank you very much for joining the
4: show. Thanks, Brandon. Glad to be here again.
2: Yeah, it's a uh, it's the subject. Um, onboarding best practices is uh, something that uh, you know. It's it's funny. I, I think you and I were talking about before the show that it's really a term that uh, five six years ago I didn't even know existed. And and now, um, and, and you and I were talking about this. It's now it's something that that it's embarrassing that it wasn't taken more seriously in the beginning. Maybe tell us a little bit about you know kind of the evolution of onboarding and and, and why it's uh, relevant to each employer.
4: Well, yeah, it, yeah. like we were talking about during the break, um, you know, we love our little buzzwords in HR and business, and, you know, uh, past few years, we started hearing more and more about the term onboarding, and, you know, for some people, they thought, is this just orientation with a new twist on it, but, you know, what we found, and, and you can see this in a lot of the research and, and some of the stuff that's out there, that employers started taking a little bit of a different approach to getting uh, new employees acculturated to the organization. So, you know, maybe just to kind of help differentiate the two for, for our listeners, orientation was always really kind of speaks more towards a very short term getting people Uh, You know, the first day, get them. Here's your desk. Here's your computer. Here's how you log in. Here's how you get on the payroll system. You know, it's a very transactional and procedural type of activity, whereas onboarding really started to look at, you know, how do we get people more effective quickly? And that really speaks to, you know, how we go to work in our organization, how we do things, who are your go-to people, some of the myths and legends about the organization, um, who are our customers, who are our industry. And, and it really takes place over a much longer period of time. And it, and it's really meant to do so because, uh, you know, that investment that you make initially, uh, not only speaks to how effective the person is going to be, but, but frankly, whether they're going to stay or not, because, you know, just because they showed up and had to leave another job doesn't mean that they're stuck there forever. Um, many people make a decision within, if not within 30 days, within six months, whether they're going to stick around in an organization. If they've been in the job market recently, it's much easier to re-engage with the people they were talking with before they landed where where you are.
2: And that's and that's huge. And it's and I hear you talk. And I just you think about the missed opportunities of of making sure people feel welcome and have the resources that they need to be to be successful in your organization. And you know, by, and why would you, you know, why wouldn't you want that to happen? I mean, after all, you brought them on for great things. Maybe talk
4: talk about talk about
2: uh, the onboarding essentials and some of the best practices that. that uh, and what are you seeing out there? People are doing.
4: Well, beyond kind of that first day or even first morning of filling out forms and and setting people down, you know, it starts, it can even start before the person's first day. It it could be things like uh, a personal note sent to the new hire and their significant other, uh, welcoming them to the organization, especially if they've had to do relocation where there's been a lot of uprooting of people um, to that first day, you know, just having a game plan, Who's the person going to spend time with the first day and what are they going to accomplish? And is there a roadmap for my first week, 30 days, 90 days, six months? Has some thought been given to that? Um, Who are the key people you're going to need to meet with and has that been scheduled? And that's anything from lunches with maybe department heads or other key folks to key suppliers, customers, other people that you're going to have to interact with. So you know, if you were to talk to an employer or advise them how to maybe implement an onboarding process, um, you know, my first suggestion is make sure you have a good roadmap for what people need to accomplish and by when. And I think some of the other things um, that we found in the literature is, you know, make things really streamlined. You know, don't have somebody write their name five times on five different forms. If, If there's a way that you can get it to do it one time, and have that feed other things it's just makes it look like you have your 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 act together better and that you're not there to waste their time and it really sets you apart um and i alluded to this earlier i think another big piece of it is you know r- really focus on that socialization and this it doesn't matter what level the employee is It could be a business unit leader Mid-level manager, single contributor, um, help them get plugged in to the people in the organization as quickly as possible. Help them learn the rituals, um, the myths, the legends about the company. Help them feel part of the team, and 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 help them know who they should go to. And and the converse of this is prepare the organization for the new person as well. You know, make sure people know to stop by, introduce, say hi. Invite them out, you know, make them part of the organizational culture, because all of this is being done to make that new person as effective as possible in the shortest amount of time. You know, it's really to shorten that learning curve. That's that's the really a gain you get from get to your business by doing that.
2: I was uh, talking to an entrepreneur that i, you know, I, I was I always feels kind of ahead of the curve on some of this stuff, and they were talking about how when the new person comes on, they would actually go out and you know if they loved triathlons, they would try to find you know two or three people in the company that liked triathlons or if their kids went to a certain school or college. Uh-huh. And, and it's just stuff, you know. Is a is an ADD entrepreneur. It's just that stuff never cr- sees crosses my mind until it's like too late, you know. Until two weeks later, you're like, oh my god, that would have been a great idea. And, right. Uh, so that roadmap makes a makes a ton of sense. How, how does it when it comes to the company size and structure? How, how does that Im- impact the onboarding uh, design or plan?
4: Uh, well, I'll tell you frankly, the smaller companies are. Um, perhaps challenged, you know, one is they think this is purely the responsibility of the human resources department, um, which in smaller companies could just simply be a person who's processing forms most of the time and and really isn't, um, you know, a true HR department. So they make the mistake of thinking that, uh, that orientation and onboarding are the same thing, you know, so I think that's the the biggest challenge that they face. And they don't take that step back and say, look, you know, whether we found this person on our own or we invested money in having a search partner help us find this person, we've made a huge commitment in time and resources already. And we can't expect that this person is just simply going to land here and be able to be effective their first day. And it doesn't matter what level they are. You know, there's this assumption made that a senior person is going to be able to take care of this all by themselves. And, And as you know, you know, organizations themselves have a great effect on how a person operates and whether they're successful. So I think a lot of times when they, uh, when they maybe delegate it too far to the people like an HR department or a person who doesn't have the capacity for looking more broadly in the organization, um, there becomes a missed opportunity. Um, I personally think that the hiring manager... In 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 an organization should take the lead on the onboarding process, and if it's a very small organization, then I think the president or CEO has to be very deeply involved.
2: Well, if in a small organization, because as you know, mo- many of them, you know, you know, Evolution focuses heavily on those smaller companies. It, from a for me. A- and usually you know, if you're a small company and you're and you're doing a hire or hiring somebody it's it's a big move i mean it's it's a big a big percentage change in the population of the of a right. company um so the so i i assume that 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 the president or, or the leaders of that of that company i mean is it really is a um i mean it, it would be a, i mean how long would the the plan usually take would i mean it or the process is it a is it a one or two or three month plan where you're just tackling certain pieces of the organization or or what do you suggest there?
4: Well, I mean, keeping in mind that your, your orientation or onboarding process, um, you know, certainly has a, some customization given the person who's been hired and the job, but they can really follow the same pattern, you know? So once you invest in it the first time, you can leverage this across new hires, um, I like to think of it in terms of what do you want this person to be able to do a week out, a month out, 90 days out, and then if you want to say six six months plus, you know who should they have met with? What should they be capable of doing? When you set those kind of milestones in your own mind, it helps you coach them to where they need to be. Um, it makes sure you're getting the optimum uh, output out of them. Um, and, you know, it, it gives you uh, kind of a checkpoint to see if you've made the right decision on the person and, you know, if you have to make some decisions there as far as a course correction is concerned. But, you know, I think if you kind of break it down into those ty- types of chunks, um, that's kind of a good way to look at it. And And maybe, you know, there's not a lot. You can really write down as far as six months out because, you know, things are contingent, but you can at least formulate that in your mind so that, because you know, six months is going to go by very fast, as you know. You know, it always does. We move at the speed of light in business. So you don't want to get six months into it and say, geez, we never even wrote down goals and objectives for this person yet, or this person hasn't even met this key supplier yet.
2: I remember when I, I my first job uh, working at a bank in 1988 when I graduated from college, and you, you show up on your first day and they, they hand you your, your business cards and they hand you your little nameplate and they mm-hmm. hand you whatever. And, and then, um, but I suspect that companies still do that orientation piece. They still do that. They just do the, they should do the onboarding in addition to that. Is that a fair, st- I mean, I, is that, yeah,
4: I mean, for the sake of efficiency, you know, if you have 10 new people starting and you're, in your large business on a given day, yeah, it makes more sense to give everybody the lecture on the handbook and get this form done, and you know, take this home and look at it tonight thing. But you know, really try to make that uh, you know a half day if you can, and and like I said before, streamline the administrative process so it's not just signing your name ten times. Um, I would I would suggest that you think of your orientation as like probably half probably takes up the first day at the most, but the onboarding process is going to take up up to six months, depending on the type of per, type of job it is.
2: All right. So t- so tell me some of that. We've talked about some onboarding do's. Maybe tell me some, some about them onboarding don'ts. What shouldn't we do?
4: Um, I think that one of the biggest ones is don't make the assumption that because you're dealing with a, a very specialized professional or a senior level person that they don't need any kind of onboarding. I mean, yes, it's expected that this person is a seasoned person and is going to have some experience in getting into new organizations or getting into new roles. But, you know, once again, each company is different. Each company has its own, you know, informal and unspoken rules about how things get done there. Um, You know, titles don't necessarily mean something if the key person is a low-level person from the standpoint of where they fall on the org chart but happens to have, you know, all the tribal knowledge in the business. So I wouldn't presume that a senior person needs no direction when it comes to onboarding and and still think about uh, having some sort of roadmap for that person. Uh, it might be a little more collaborative than it would be for a mid-level person or a more junior professional, but um, I think that's one of the bigger mistakes. And you know, executives fail out in organizations all the time, and I think some of that can be attributed to an improper onboarding process at, at the very beginning.
2: How um, does and I know and I know this is something that you and I haven't talked about in the past, but. Uh, when, for companies that have their core values and a purpose that's been fully described, how, how does that? I mean, I, I would imagine that 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 makes onboarding easier.
4: Well, I think if uh, you know, provided you abide by those and you live by those, and and it's very apparent that those core values are things that are, you know, meaningful that people actually are walking. Walking the talk that they have, Um, but you're right. If you've taken time to define those kinds of things and say this is these are the the traits and behaviors and how we do things here that are important to us, um, you you can convey that a lot more easily as part of your onboarding process, and you can correct behaviors that may may be stepping outside of that. But you know that's a good investment to make. And, and you can use that you know in onboarding in a lot of different areas.
2: That's good. I uh All right. Well, I um, is, uh, getting the, getting the notice. We take a break here, so uh, we will sign off right now, and we'll uh, welcome you back soon to the second stage. Thanks, Brandon.
1: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or send an email to The Second Stage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson.
2: Welcome back to the show, The Second Stage. This is Brendan Anderson. This is our show uh but it's a forum so we look forward to your input so that we can benefit from everyone's experience don't be shy everyone makes a mistake and believe me jeff's made a ton oh no no i've made a ton so and we've all survived so as uh, for for those of you that uh that uh, remember we're on the on the uh phone with mark fiala and uh, we're talking about onboarding's best practices and uh, we just kind of learned recently about the don'ts um but Maybe talk uh, Mark about um, you know this this process of onboarding and um, um, some types of metrics to evaluate whether uh, the onboarding was successful and failures, and you know, how to evaluate whether we need to do a better job next time
4: yeah, um, you know it, it can be difficult sometimes to measure things um, when it comes to people, but you know you're going to have to measure how effective an employee is at some point. You know, and it's typically done by an annual performance review. So how do you measure how effective your onboarding process has been at getting people up to speed as quickly as necessary? Um, there's, there's probably two main ways to do it. You know, you have some defined metrics beforehand. You know, how soon was a person able to do X, Y, and Z aspect of their job on a competent level? Um, when we do job analysis and build job descriptions, we spend a lot of time asking questions around that because it, it helps us. Gauge how difficult a job may be, or how easy it might be to train people to do a a particular thing. Um, I think uh, you know turnover retention statistics are always going to be helpful in this. Uh, It's just like when you're selling a product out in the marketplace. If if people buy the product one time and they're unhappy with it and go elsewhere, you can generally uncover that um, a number of different ways, and uh, and I think that's. If you see what the first-year retention rates of people are, if you gauge that against what you uncover in exit interviews to see if um, the onboarding process had a positive or negative effect on it, Um, a lot of people are using engagement surveys and other types of ways of polling current employees. And and I think that would be one of the things that you would want to ask your new employees, people with uh, maybe... Less than a year or so of services, how effective was the onboarding process? And, and ask some very pointed questions that um, you know solicit kind of an open-ended response to that, where people can give you meaningful feedback. And you know, of course, you may have to cloak it in a way that it can be anonymous um, if people are afraid of how their responses might be taken, but. Um, you know, just simply asking people how they felt about it can be a, a great way of picking up some data and measuring how effective you're being.
2: It's is um, is there? T- you know, this is kind of a funny question, but there's does there tend to be a discrepancy? I mean, are there people that think that they did a wonderful job, and the employees? You know, the, the overall you know kind of summary is that they that they kind of fell short, or do people have a pretty good feeling for when, for when they've onboarded successfully?
4: Yeah, it's uh, I mean, I have to admit, you know, I've been in staff position in companies many times and I've you know, thought to myself, boy, I just sent out the greatest memo in the world, and everybody in the field is going to understand it and comply with it immediately. And then when you talk to the folks out in the field, just realize you there was a huge disconnect between what you did and and what was really the impact to the employees. So um, I'm not saying that people, maybe in the HR department or the people guiding this process, are off base. It, it, it's like anything else; you need continuous feedback. So you have to have ways of getting that data, and you have to be brave enough, you know, frankly. To Ask the question. It, it, it's not a check a box exercise. I mean, orientation is get this form in, get this person on payroll, check that box. But is the person performing? Are they effective? Do they feel like they have a long term home here? Are they getting what they need to do the job the right way? Um, you know, unless you're continually asking questions about that and observing, talking to the supervisors of these individuals. Um, you can waste a lot of time and effort on on activities that, that were really meaningless when it came to having an effective process.
2: Maybe uh, spend a little time telling me about the difference between onboarding, um, the different – maybe different levels of employees or different departments uh, mm-hmm. of, of employees.
4: Yeah, I think um, – the the maybe the type of engagement you have with different levels of employees um you know if if it's a lower level type employee in an organization maybe the type of position that has lots of incumbents, whether that's uh, customer service reps or people who work on the shop floor doing similar types of positions um, you know a half day type of activity where you People on what the expectations of the job are, make sure they get the right paperwork, um, you know, tour the facility, show them where their boss is, their workstation, locker room, um, the lunchroom, um, you know, and, and small meaningful gestures like, um, You know, having a a group luncheon at some point, maybe in the first month or a small gift, you know, the little things that, you know, you see on everybody's desk or cubicle, the the mug and the the ball cap and stuff like that really help people feel at home. When it comes to more senior-level people, um, you know, you're going to want them to feel like they're plugged into the organization and and having an impact because that's what drives those kinds of people. So it might be a higher engagement type of endeavor where it's meeting more people, it's spending more time with them, and it's spending, you know, perhaps multiple meetings with them as they kind of peel away the layers of the onion and learn more about different functional areas and what people are doing and and how they're getting it done. Um, And I tend to think that an onboarding process is going to invest more in, you know, maybe the the more critical, higher-level professional positions and the senior management positions. Um, But I've seen very effective onboarding processes where all employees were kind of taken through the same thing where, after a month this happened and this activity and then 6 months into it they brought everybody back together again to you know learn about their experience how they feel about the organization are they still feeling good about being there and what they can do differently
2: and, and then and then obviously you know, depending upon you know the types of of people a finance person versus human resources versus IT I know we touched on that briefly but you know m- would most companies do a similar process there
4: yeah, I think most companies want to build, you know, before somebody starts feeling, I guess, that esprit de corps within their own department or functional area, um, the only thing they really have to grab onto are other people who are in a similar position to them. And that's, you know, if you're the the group of people who were just hired in the month of February, uh, you know, you're still finding your way. And it's sometimes helpful to kind of treat those people as a little bit of a cohort, Um Similar regardless of the department that they're in, because eventually, if you're doing it the right way, they'll start to bond with the folks in their functional area and start to feel more connected with them. Uh, so I, I think that um, for the most part, um, you'll see similar process. It's really not going to differentiate itself by what area the person works in. Um, because I think there, generally, the intent is to try to build a bond amongst that group um, early on to give them a group of people that they can kind of grab on to.
2: That's good. That's good. And I, I, it's funny as you're talking about, it, I can just see how you know we've made mistakes in the past, and when we've done well, it's just how how wonderful the the process is, and how this you know the smallest tokens of. Uh, uh, you know, but continued smallest tokens of of appreciation and re- you know remembering that people are there and are new and need to learn mm-hmm. is it's just very very important and it 's uh you know kind of kick myself for not having you know done better at that you know those those obvious things um w- when it comes to like what departments within an organization should be responsible for developing you know the onboarding procedures maybe talk about that is this human resources is this management driven is it both?
4: um i think i think it's always going to work best if it's a combination of both um you know each each group has a responsibility uh the human resources department typically has the expertise and understanding of how to structure these things but it really takes the active involvement and engagement of uh the new the new hires supervisor i mean you know hr can say you know you need to meet with this person and you need to do this and you need to do that but it's ultimately going to be up to the supervisor to make the time to actually make that happen um you know hr can only do so much and uh it it really has to be a shared function
2: how much of the supervisor's responsibility is it to introduce and, and this is probably getting off topic a little bit but that's my specialty as you know um <laughs> To introduce the, the 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 person to maybe their superiors, superiors so their bosses.
4: Well, I think that's um, I think that can be huge, and it can be very meaningful to people. Um, you know, when we look at the kind of the converse of this, when people leave organizations, you know, you've probably heard this that most of the time people leave because of their relationship with their supervisor, uh-huh. and if you can develop a situation where there's a high level of trust and and a feeling of responsibility towards your supervisor, and that supervisor re- rewards you by helping you get exposure, helping you see how the rest of the organization works, um, that can go a long way. Uh, and I and I think that when when your when your supervisor takes you up to the executive suite and introduces you around. Uh, you know, it always made me feel good when I was respected by the executives in the organization. It made me, it really reinforced that I was working for a good person, and and I think it really helped foster that bond between the two of them. Uh, you know, certainly between me and my supervisor. So sure. I, I think it's a I think it's a great opportunity to do that, and it can be it can be so, it can be a very new experience, especially for junior level employees to be brought up um, to meet some of the senior leadership. But as you know, you know, in a subject for a different time. The, the more kinds of activities you do to mentor people to do that, and their ability to work comfortably with executives um, is a very meaningful kind of experience that you can give junior junior employees.
2: No, that's great. I, as as you're talking, I'm just picturing my old banking days when you know the uh the, you had a boss that was willing to to uh to to share some of those concepts and ideas and people and introductions versus the ones that the ones that weren't and you know how much you know more you got out of out of uh the people that were a little more open. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little? Maybe move towards uh, some you know kind of uh, you know technology. How's how's the world changing and how's technology fitting into this process?
4: Well, you know, it's funny. It fascinates me after having been in HR for almost 20 years, that you can go into any given company and the the human resources person on the first day is going to, you know, essentially literally hand you an inch-high bundle of documents to to fill out and review and sign. And, I mean, after all this is 2014, you would think there would be a more effective and efficient way of doing this kind of stuff, Um, and there certainly is. And there's a lot of no-cost and low-cost types of options to to make that thing go a lot smoother than it is. Um, you know, I think that it's very overwhelming the first day, and it, it can really kind of, I guess, make people wonder what kind of organization they just joined if they're still using this kind of paper and this kind of process for just something as simple as getting a person onboarded into the organization. Um, so I think that just in terms of the transactional aspects of it, um, there's certainly a lot of tools to enhance that. Um, I think also from a technology standpoint, of course, you have to talk about social media and the, the the use that you can get out of that as far as helping to connect your folks with the organization and you know make them feel like they're part of the conversation with the customers and the industry and the other employees. So whether that's your... You know, using things like we, we use, like, LinkedIn and Facebook um, to internal wikis and other types of internal social platforms to interact with people, um, the faster you can get people um, integrated into that, the better, because there's some really great tools out there that foster collaboration. They foster efficiency. They they help spread the tribal knowledge out and help people learn quicker, um, and, and they get to use it not just at the computer they have in front of them at their desk, but you know, mobile devices, laptops, or tablets, you know, everything else. So you know, we're we're used to using all of this technology in our you know in our real life, but when it comes to work, we we forget about all these great tools that are out there that can really help connect people in ways that we never even envisioned five years ago, frankly.
2: Yeah, it's amazing too. I, it's funny when I. Uh... Uh, we had a business that uh, had a lot of employees, and um, and often there was uh, – in the beginning, at least, there was some turnover, and I had to ch- chuckle, and it actually eventually backfired a little bit. But the, when we made the investment in the company, they actually had a a digital – or a, a, like a computer screen that people could come in and apply on and uh-huh. they would actually do credit checks and, and background checks and stuff right there online. And, um, it, you know, and it was eventually criticized as, you know, too impersonal that they, you know, the you know, the good employees didn't want to work there because they're like, you gotta, what are you kidding me? You know, it's like, a, uh-huh. you know, so technology has, can go both ways. Um, are, are most of the, I, I would assume, and tell me whether I'm, I've lost my mind. Even for smaller businesses, wouldn't most of the employee documents and, and handbooks and so forth, wouldn't those all be online, or are those still are people still printing those things?
4: Um, people still print them off, um, I, it, and it astonishes me. It's it's not just the old guys like me the, these days. I still see you know files full of paper, um, people printing wow. off the employee handbook. Um, it does astonish me, and, I, and, it, and it surprises me considering how this is the same employee who's chatting with somebody on Facebook while they're doing it. So, you know, how do we, do we get people to take advantage of these things and realize that having the paper handbook is kind of pointless if you have a platform that allows you to have the handbook anywhere you need it or your medical insurance information or um, how to collaborate with somebody? So you know, we we spend a lot of time working with companies to try to help break that pretty pretty early on in the process, and kind of get away from thinking about their handbook as it's going to end up being a booklet, and thinking about it more in terms of what's your internal IT architecture look like, and can we make the handbook fit into that using platform that you already have, something that people are already used to. And it becomes a more dynamic thing, and it becomes more integral to just how they do everything in the organization.
2: All right, my last question: what What should an employee expect from from expect to take away from an onboarding experience?
4: Um, Well, I think you know, initially, if you've if you've done it right, the employee feels like they made a good decision to come work with you. Um, That. what they saw when they were in the interview process and the screening process is actually what life is going to be like. And it's not this, you know, Potemkin village of we put on this big show for our candidates and then the first day they're in, you're left on your own, buddy, buddy, and good luck. Um, In the long term, you know, they should reflect back on it over, you know, the three or six months and say, you know, I, I came here to do a job and they gave me every tool I needed to get that job done and to get in here and have an impact quickly. And most people, that's what they're looking for, especially um, higher-level employees. They're there to make an impact. And if they can look back over that period of time and feel like they've done that, um, you've probably got somebody that's going to stick around and be a, a, a great addition to the team.
2: That's great. I, uh, Mark, as always, I appreciate your, uh, your time and your expertise. And uh, it, as we mentioned earlier, you know, Mark is the president of organizational architecture and, and, a, and a wonderful resource and somebody that we uh, uh, rely on at Evolution. And uh, Mark, thank you very much for your time and, and your, uh, your comments, thoughts, and
4: expertise. Thanks, Brendan. I enjoyed being back. Thank you.
1: America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
3: This is Davis Love III, Ryder Cup captain and Team McGladry member. McGladry is about building relationships. That's the kind of team I want to be a part of, a team that builds deep understanding of each client's vision and unique way of doing business. The same attributes I look for and the partners I choose. It's this understanding that enables you and me to make confident decisions. When you trust the advice you're getting, you know your next move is the right move. This is the power of being understood. This is McGladry, Assurance Tax Consulting.
2: Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com
0: today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network.
2: Welcome back. This is Brendan Anderson uh, running solo without my tag team partner Jeff Cadlick this week. Thanks for tuning into the second stage, a show about small business best practices. Uh, we, uh, I always enjoy talking to Mark and, and his insights, and, and I think especially for small businesses, this is um, uh, a topic that I think I don't know what I would guess. You know, nine out of ten of the companies we talk with, uh, they just don't put enough emphasis on landing these. You know very very valuable assets which are your you know your employees and and especially when it's uh um somebody that you're relying on to really uh uh you know kind of drive the business forward and and um, uh you know kind of help um you know kind of with the vision and so forth so i another thing I'd say is that um you need to be creative in this piece, and I know Mark talked about this a little bit. But you know, I the more I talk to some of the members of EO and some of the companies we talk to, the, the good ones really think a little bit outside the box and 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 try to make people feel special and appreciated, and uh, and and really go out of the way to try to make them feel that they you know. Uh, Really can learn the business and understand how the business is running, and you know again, uh, we I know we always circle back to core values and purpose, and and that that always makes this stuff easier. It it always gives you a a a, a basis, a, a direction, and a you know kind of a the framework to drive to to. to to work with this stuff and to, and to show people what you mean and, and so forth. And I think, you know, one of the things that we like to do and, and I've seen be very successful is, as uh, as you set up lunches or, um, events with people throughout the organization, they, they go out of their way to talk about, you know, how the core values, um, drive some of the decisions they're making and how the purpose is important to them and how it's, and how it's worked, um, across uh across the company and um so it just it, it's it the goal is really to to make them feel included and um and uh, feel part of the company and understand the vision and where you're headed and and uh, and that sort of thing and it, it, i think i think the more you can be creative on the on the technology piece as mark as mark talked about you know it, it, it the stuff is out there and it's uh and it kind of helps keep people aligned you know it, one of the um I think I talked about in the first segment about how, you know, you kind of start planning. And I think that when it, when you onboard people, and obviously as part of hiring the people, you've you've kind of explained to them, you know, what the base and, and core of the company is, but also where the company's headed. And as part of the onboarding process, if you can give them, you know, let them really dive into the base of that and, and and why you think the company can continue to grow and why you think the company continue to can continue to meet the um you know the the non financial um growth pieces you know what you know the the purpose if you will um i think that that stuff is 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 you know is so valuable and I, and i have to chuckle uh, that that you know i have done a kind of an about face when i started my business in 1995, I, you know, I think I've mentioned a couple of times that it just it was something that I just thought was hokey and cheesy, and something that I didn't want to do. And and the more that I uh, uh, see companies that embrace this stuff, it it it, it changes it. And uh, so. Um, i as always uh you know it's it does come down to that core value it does come down to uh to to driving that that uh that forward and sharing and being transparent and um and and being willing to uh you know to explain people why this stuff is important so um at evolution our core values are team plus uh the t is transparency for everyone uh e is embrace evolutionary businesses a is always look for a better way. M is meticulous dedication to process, and the and the plus or the P is passion for possibilities. Uh, as you know, at the end of every segment, we talk about the passion for possibilities because it really is about transforming these businesses and turning them into life-changing uh, companies and, and, and vehicles. So uh, uh, I don't have Jeff here to, to push me on my uh, passion for possibilities, but what I've come up with is... Get on board the onboarding process. It really does, it's a, uh, does change the, the employee's perspective, and this is a massive resource. So, again, uh, get on the onboarding process. So with that, I thank you so much for tuning in to The Second Stage, and we look forward to talking to you next week.
1: Thank you for tuning in this week to The Second Stage. Please join Jeffrey Cadillac and Brendan Anderson again next Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And have a successful week.